This is the Humans of Gaming Podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. think about my title for a minute yeah, you forgot for a minute <laughs> and uh, i'm with chris gwaltney who is the chief executive nerd at love thy nerd what's up we are the co-hosts of this here podcast humans of gaming where we talk to the humans behind games that we enjoy yeah and uh i'm excited this week because we have someone i've kind of like admired from afar from like the twitter world oh drew crush and but never never talked to so uh zalavir did i how did i do uh you said my name right which is great um all right one small question not for me but for a friend like humans are gaming it's about humans if you aren't human like is that is that still cool or yeah that's we have to draw the line somewhere so are you um uh, are you a uh, uh an ai or Again, I'm asking for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, no personal application to myself. Maybe we could have like Alexa on or or a Cylon. That could be fun. Siri, what do you think about life, game development, and belief? (laughs) You got to be careful saying that. She's always listening. Um, But no, ah, Zalavir Nelson (laughs) Jr. Is your full name? That's how probably people know you on Twitter and the internet, and you write for like everybody. It seems like you've written for tons of uh, a lot for PC Gamer. Uh, what else? And you you've are most recently working on Hypnospace Outlaw with Jay Tholen and some other folks. And um, I think a lot of people also know you from um, from Screw You Bear Dad, which is a great uh, text adventure game that you can play online for free yeah i don't know how would, how would you how do you introduce yourself to people when you frame kind of what you do in the games industry uh, uh wow that's a huge question uh mainly because yep. i have an absurd work schedule so i when you say i'm kind of doing something a little bit of something for everyone that's basically it uh my name is Aubrey nelson jr i'm a game developer, uh, narrative designer, uh, events person, uh, community organizer, public speaker, man. I, I just enrolled full-time into college as well. I'm I'm so tired all of the time. <laughs> so you, the TLDR is that you hate free time. I mean, free time's nice. And, and like, we're still talking through some stuff, but I, I don't think that it's it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work between us. Mm. All right. Well, <laughs> so better luck next time. You just started college. What are you going to college for? Mainly for piece of paper purposes. Uh, turns out that that little certificate has a lot of benefits in daily life. Uh, I don't particularly like college for a number of reasons, but uh, and it's also a little bit later in life, so I feel horribly disconnected from everyone around me but 
Can I ask, like, how much later in life? How old are you? Yeah, I'm I'm 21. You're so late going to college at 21. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. 21 is not, like, super late at getting into college. No. You made me think you were in, like, your 30s or something. Uh, I, I have weird cultural references. Uh, the thing is, I grew up homeschooled, so... Uh, part of my education was in the middle of the day, my mom would be like, you, you, you don't know MC Hammer, do you? And she'd show us what MC Hammer was, um, <laughs> yeah. which turned out to be really valuable because I'm, I'm surrounded by people older than myself, obviously. Um, but it also makes it really weird when I'm in a class of 200, uh, ostensible adults and the teacher says, does anybody here know what Die Hard is? And not a single person <laughs> knows. It's just blank faces. Oh, oh. that hurts. Someone asked if it was a German my age. Uh, film, and I, I just died inside, oh. just a little bit. <laughs> you died yeah. hard inside. <laughs> the puns are my department, Chris. <laughs> uh so but what are you what are you studying apology. um I'm, I'm i'm currently studying art history that's the current plan but the main reason that I, I enrolled was uh we were like not in the states at the time uh where i would usually like typically where people are like oh yeah you typically go to college at this time um we were in italy uh and we turned out to be in the alt-right center of Italy. No one told us that when we moved in there, but uh, the Nationalist Whoa. Parades... There's an alt-right yes. center of Italy? Yes. Uh, okay. Above Milan, there is this pocket of wealth and also hatred, uh, which I learned by playing a board game with a neo-Nazi at the, at the local game shop. I did win the game, by the way. and Great. I'm sure he loved it. <laughs> I found ways... And, you know... The Bible talks about discernment and about a soft answer breaketh the bone and all these other nice little quotations, but those I I put them all into practice. It all works. Yeah, it all works. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so this was like a. So how did you figure out he was a neo-Nazi as you're playing a board game with him? It's a very weird. It's there's a lot of games these days about detection. Uh, Hypnospace Outlaw is one of them about investigation, about finding things by about. Uh, like investigating evidence and finding disconnected to pieces and things that don't even seem like evidence and then putting them all together and having that moment of revelation. And I kind of had that mini gaming experience uh, on top of our regular gaming thing uh, as I just picked up on these little phrases, these nice little, uh, these juicy little tidbits. And I was like, huh, that sounds... <laughs> very nationalist uh did he say i love nazis was that uh one? no see th th that's that's the hint mode i didn't have hint mode on and <laughs> i had this really nice narrative arc where by the end of the conversation um i had one figured out that he was a neo-nazi uh two one the the game three for three and uh what game were you playing a i think it was an abstract um dice tactics game uh set in feudal japan called sengoku okay oh, i think I've and yeah I, and that dovetailed very nicely with me also figuring out that it turns out he only hated immigrants so i was safe 
Uh, he told me not to go out at night oh, uh, okay. because they roam at night. I thanked him for right. the advice, and I didn't go back to that board sh- game shop again. Wow. So, like, you he didn't consider you an immigrant because you were just there Because uh, I was an American. Um, I, I wasn't were, African okay. or one of That's the other, uh, quote-unquote, dangerous people. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So how long were you in Italy? For? Uh, a couple of years. I was in South Korea for a couple of years. I've moved around a lot uh, for various reasons, um, including work. Uh, I was recently in Nepal for work, which was a unique experience. Um, yeah. And yeah, I try to take all of these weird life experiences uh, and put them into my writing. Uh, I don't know exactly when that approach began to occur, but now there was a certain point at which I realized, oh, Life is more interesting when you do interesting stuff. Oh, actually, I know I know the exact moment. Um, I heard about a underground folk dancing ring that was happening that was that was going to meet nearby, <laughs> as one does. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this was when I was in Italy, and of course there was the temptation of, hey, I can just stay at home, but then I had the sudden thought. How am I going to live with myself if I don't infiltrate an underground folk dancing ring? Why does it have to be underground, though? Like, is there some Well, maybe it's like a footloose town, you know? (laughs) Hey, did you pick up on that? Did you pick up on the footloose reference? I I am picking up what you're laying down, Chris. Okay. Where are the same wavelengths? Good. See? That was a... That was a bit of a deep cut for a 21-year-old, so I appreciate that you (laughs) got it. Yeah, yeah. You can say my mama raised me right. I had this opportunity and I, I suddenly had this thought what I'm as, as a person I've been surrounded by all of these strange things and I've gone through some of them. Um, but until that happened, I hadn't chosen intentionally to choose the most interesting paths in life that I could. Um, and as a result of that, I ended up releasing one of my most critically acclaimed games, uh, Mazurka ghost in Italy um and yeah that was that was the direct inspiration for that game and yeah ever since i kind of identified oh life is not just more more interesting but you end up having better stories uh, more things to draw upon when you choose the weirder path so hypnospace and all the other games i work on uh and all the other projects i've worked on can just kind of be seen as a an elaboration of that desire to go after the uh weeder path that's cool so so how did you how did you get started like right have you always been a writer and editor and that kind of thing have you always been into that type of creation no it, it was it was a weird little branching path uh i was too young to be reading an article about Duke Nukem Forever. And in this article, uh, one sentence jumped out at me that people who review games sometimes get those games for free from the companies so they can do their jobs. (laughs) And 12 year old kid reading this going like, what you can get free games. It was like a revelation. Um, so I, I decided 12 year old, make a weird little review blog and 
that was pretty much how it started. The receptionist at Namco Bandai knew my name by heart because I called so much. And I ended up reviewing several games for them. So that was cool. Um, and What was the name of this blog, of your blog? Back oh, then? gosh, it's so cringy. It's like, I think it was called Pro Guide for Noobs. Um, <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> That's great. Uh, my, my shtick. How'd you spell noobs? Was that N N O O B S or did you go like an N E W? Give me some credit, Chris. I was grammatically correct here. N O O B S. Okay, that's that's good. Yeah, I I had this experience. I had this experience of working on this weird little review blog, and. That was basically the start of my quote-unquote writing career. Um, the receptionist of Nanko Bonding knew my name by heart. I did that for a little bit. Um, then I had the experience that made me come to a personal faith with God. I had always been raised around it. Um, my family is quite strong in the faith. Uh, but it had never really hit until I got a little bit older. And at that point, I started a blog called video games in the Bible, trying to see, is there a, a correlation between this faith that I've taken on, um, this faith that I've found uh, or that I was given, uh, and this medium that is so important to me. Um, I did that for a few years, and it got really depressing finding out how many games don't really think about religion uh, and not in terms of like not thinking about religion, but just like, Oh, we're just going to name the bad guys. Uh, Jesus and the gang. That's fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. game was that? The name the, where the bad guys. Were Jesus oh, th- that the wasn't game. real. I didn't want to, I didn't want to call out someone, oh, okay. but the... <laughs> well, it's not real yet. <laughs> And that's the thing. There's so many things that seem obvious to us as Christians as Trevor's imagery. Um, I'll go into one. The Fable series had a tie-in site with a bunch of lore on it for a period of time. Uh, And on that site, it basically described the equivalent of a flood myth. Um, And, like, that jumped out at me as as a Christian. But based off of what I read, and especially the people who initiated it, it was like, it was it was essentially the equivalent of biblical plagues, uh, or and and the flood thing altogether, if I remember correctly. But it basically made it had the three aspects of God, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, through the three villains who were also initiating the plagues for these specific reasons in the world. And that was a big part of fable lore that I imagine someone now on the other side, someone cranked out as part of an assignment. But as a Christian, I read that and I was like, oh. That's actually, it's it's indirectly targeting this thing that is a huge piece of my life. Um, and after a few years of that, I was like, are there games that don't do that, uh, that have some, some, some more positivity there, or at least don't address it? Um, and that ended up, yeah, by that point, I ended up meeting a lot of indie developers who made a lot of exceptional games, including Cargo Commander, which I'll talk about at every opportunity. Cargo Commander, you play as a sad dad in space living under ethical, uh, I'm sorry, late stage capitalism. And you, it's a, it's a roguelike action platformer. So you're 
um, jumping, you're shooting, you're doing all this stuff to harvest these uh, abandoned cargo crates in space. And you're like, this is a pretty cool indie game. And then suddenly you start getting these letters from your family back home. And they're light years away. And there's also the implication that sometimes the company is keeping back letters from you intentionally, furthering the delay between when you get to hear from your family again and you can't send anything really back. So your family's going through some real stuff on this shattered earth and you're just all the way in space listening to sad country music every time you wake up, uh, jumping back into the breach. Um, there's all these exceptional little games and stories uh, that turned out didn't have Jesus as the bad guy. And so I spent a few years exploring that. And I actually, by the time I had become base, uh, an adult, a legal adult, I suddenly realized that I might actually want to leave the games industry. Uh, I'd already been doing it for like five years. Um, I was there for a lot of the early indie movement. Uh, I saw a lot of th things that we now consider as like games canon happen uh, from the sort of outskirts, but like just enough on the insides to make teenage me happy. Um, and along the way, I'd also seen all these people that I admired, all these people who were way more talented than me at the time, people who were, uh, I really looked up to, just like drop off the face of the earth. So many people got burnt out of the industry in five years. Can you give me some, ex I mean, I think I probably know some of the people we're talking about, but I'm curious if you give an example. Um, I can't, I can't remember a specific example. I was just, I would, re I would recognize, oh, this Twitter account that I followed for a studio that made uh, a game that I liked and that I'd reviewed once upon a time, yeah. um, they haven't <laughs> tweeted in three years. That kind of yeah. thing. Um, it's not. It's not. Un it's now. I know. It's not an uncommon story. That's the cycles happen quite quickly. But uh, I started right around when Bastion and stuff started to come out. So yeah, yeah. I was in the perfect place to see which this. is like the exception i mean i think we we forget that that kind of like bastion and supergiant what those guys did is not the norm by any means it's kind of the exception absolutely right? it, like, it was it was on the not just in terms of their success but they're in terms of like their sustainability and like and that kind of thing like there's a lot of people that even put out like pretty like relatively successful indie games that don't last long in the industry it's an industry that chews people up and spits them out pretty quick, or it can. And, and it's hard to be an indie. And that was what I uh, wanted to talk about. I gave a... Well, not talk about here. Uh, I, we can't talk about that here. Uh, I wanted to give a literal talk at a conference um, that accepted my proposal. I was going to do a, a talk titled um, Why I'm No Longer a Games Journalist. Something like that. Um why I no longer identify as a games journalist. And the whole thesis was uh, I was perfectly positioned at this inception point in my youth to see all of these people who were like adults. They were adults. They knew what they were doing. Uh, and they just were absolutely chewed up and spit out by an industry that didn't seem to care about them personally. So I was like, I'm done. Uh, I'm going to become an adult. I'm going to go to college. I, I, sh I, I, need, I think I should wrap up this period of my life because I don't, I don't want to see that. I don't want that to happen to me, and I don't want to see that happen to anyone else because it's heartbreaking. 
So are you still is that still the plan? That's the thing. To to put that a bookend on that chapter in my life, I was like, okay, I should at least make a game before I leave games. Uh, uh, <clears throat> yeah. I started where I had played through Planescape Torment, which was one of the games that was super foundational for me. Um, it's structural mm-hmm. design, it's uh, approach to narrative, just really clicked with my brain at the right time, uh, and it's defined my career in uh, quite a few ways going forward. But seeing that game, uh, seeing I wanted to make my own final project, I took sort of some ideas I had boiling in the back of my head about um, a a three-stage game where decisions you make early on define your character later on and uh, either give you more agency or less agency. Uh, Some pretty complicated, uh, well, not complicated, but like I was thinking on narrative design levels uh, as someone who didn't even really know what narrative design particularly was uh, and particularly had never worked Mm -hmm. in it. And I, did, I made my first game called All Hail the Spider God um, in 13 days right before the conference happened. Because, again, as Chris said, I hate free time and also sleeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people really enjoyed it. Um, and what was this? Like how long ago? That was, was this? about two, three years ago. Two and a half years okay. ago. Um, people yeah. really enjoyed it. Uh, I documented the creation process on Twitter. I did a Twitch postmortem, and this happened right before the conference. So me releasing a game for the first time dovetailed nicely with me giving a talk. Uh, and I ended up changing my talk uh, a couple nights before the uh, event happened, which was at AlterConf Paris. And I shifted the talk from why I'm no longer games, uh, why I no longer identify as a games journalist to why I no longer identify as a games journalist parentheses um but i'm going to stay in this industry and make it a better one anyway um it turns out i had fallen in love with making games and with having the experience of communicating with people through story through interactivity uh through all the little vectors that make uh medium uh games such an exciting medium to be in uh and i've been making games and not sleeping ever since that's cool hooray <laughs> Yay! That's cool. That's very cool. So, like, all this time you were, while you were going through all this, you've still, though, continued to write about games. Yeah. Right? Because I still see your stuff on PC Gamer all the time. I'm on PC Gamer. uh, Uh, My first freelance article was for uh, Waypoint, um, but I've since also been on PC Gamer, uh, Polygon, uh, Rock, Paper, Shotgun, all sorts of outlets. I don't think uh, I don't think we've seen him on Love Thy Nerd yet. That's weird. I know we got to change that. Mm. It's mm. probably the yeah. It's it's kind of a big deal, so we need to we'll, uh, <laughs> work on that. No, I'm mm-hmm. kidding. No, that's really. cool. I know man. that you need uh, more things to do. Yeah, that's why I bring it up. So so like, but I was just curious. I say I bring that up because um, I guess you no longer consider yourself that, but you're still doing a lot of writing about games. Well, I was I was seventeen. A seventeen year old saying I'm never going to do X again isn't really set in stone. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just a liar. Okay, cool, got it. Yeah. Um, now uh, I'm much more of a game developer than a journalist, but I I, I don't think it would be yeah. very responsible considering the amount of 
it that I do to say that I'm not in games journalism or analysis anymore. Uh, but I will say that being a developer first substantially changed how I approached it. Um, yeah, I'm actually I actually think that game developers do some of the most interesting game analysis, some of the most empathetic game analysis and interviewing mm. these days, simply because if you aren't in those trenches, there's so much you don't know. Right. Uh, that was going to be my question for you is like, how did it change your empathy after having made games or worked on games yourself? Cause that's, yeah. Well, uh, sorry. That's all. That's the only thought I had on that. No, no, it, it's, it's, it's super valid. It, it, it comes down to a critical question of, can you know someone's experience if you haven't sort of walked in their shoes and you can to a certain respect, but there's also a substantial degree to which, um, just your very perspective is changed by being in games journalism uh, and being in games development. I'm sorry. Uh, the the critical thing I would say here is that it's a, the big part of the reason why I no longer identify as a games journalist first is that I can't be quote unquote objective anymore. Um, I know too much uh, and I know too many people to truly say to, to truly make certain statements or um, believe certain things about the game development process that I had previously taken for granted. Um, and as a perspective, that makes me a better uh, cr critic, analyst, game writer person in some respects, but it also means that um, uh, outlets like Love Thy Nerd uh, do this incredibly essential work um, of speaking about games and game development and game news uh talk to all these different outlets um talk about games but if they if more of the people who worked in there were in games or just everyone in a, in a scenario where everyone there worked in games it would be a fundamentally different site and relationship so uh, i appreciate games journalists a lot but i can just say I'm, I'm not a games journalist i'm a game developer uh and that's what allows me to write what i write but also means that um i can't be the guy who uh writes a really extensive reporting piece not just because i'm not interested in it but also it's like oh in the back of my head i'm going oh i'm just wrecking this person's entire release schedule this could destroy weeks of work and potentially their life yeah yeah that's interesting i think i've been spared from i've done a lot of writing about games over the years as well but i think i've been spared from some of that because of like maybe the the type of writing i've always thought to do um but yeah it's interesting to think about it from that perspective because um it is well and also too i think it's worth saying that a lot of people like all my friends that were really into games journalism five years ago um, i can think of like one or two off the top of my head that are still doing it yeah. you know like like that's an industry too that chews up a lot of people and spits them out. There's that. Um, and also we're seeing this amazing crossover from journalists who cross over to the other side. Um, it's kind of exciting to see how many people go from writing about games to speaking about them and how many kind of had the same journey that I did of going like, oh, yes, this whole games writing thing is cool. You sometimes get to do really critical work. Um, but man... I'd rather be on the other side of the house um, and being on the other side of the house gives me a perspective, a, a, a nuanced perspective I wouldn't have otherwise. Sure. Yeah, definitely. 
I think, like, for us with Love Thy Nerd, one of the things that's, like, the reason I'm still ticking doing this is because I, I, I think we've managed to, like, create a space that feels more, you know, it's not like we're never critical. I want us to be really critical about things in the game industry that are like dehumanizing or, or oh it's really important because um, there's a lot of those and there's also it's yeah. it's also important to be critical about like games themselves uh you can be it's possible like the developers i know are not just the greatest critics uh of games uh, are some of the greatest critics of games i know but also yeah. the greatest critics of themselves um it just it does necessarily sure. skew, yeah. skew your perspective you you, you can't I, I won't say that you can't write scoops but you're you're there is a fundamental break between you there's a there's a there's a there is a chasm of perspective that just like when you cross that you can't really go back um yeah and both are equally valid uh both are valuable to this industry it's just a matter of kind of knowing thyself yeah and where you end up and whether or not you've, right, cro- right. you've gone too far to go back yeah, it's yeah, it's not to say that like people who've written scathing articles that have hurt game designers or something are actually doing something wrong. I mean, they may just be um they may be doing important work in a way, you know. Um potentially, you know, maybe they're not. Maybe they're doing terrible work. I who knows. Uh but that's one of the things that I've enjoyed about Love Thy Nerd is that like as a we're a nonprofit organization, so like we just we don't have to we don't have to do any of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we can, um, we can promote what's good and beautiful and true in the world of video games and, um, you know, sit out on the other parts or, or, sp- and, and speak up when we feel like we need to in areas that are not good, beautiful or true or whatever, if that makes sense. That's one reason so. I really like working in features. Uh, I get to mm-hmm. criticize or appreciate aspects of games that I genuinely love. Um, or things I think are valuable to say, as opposed to like writing a news post, which like get news writers. I don't news writers, guide writers. I don't know how they do it. I appreciate their work so much, but man, put me behind yeah. a news desk. I'd be like, we're making another battle royale game. This is a, <laughs> <laughs> what more do you want? Yeah. Yeah. You can just copy and paste that headline these days. Yeah. New battle royale just game. Change the name. Change the Apex name Legends, the by the way, uh, this is an unbiased yeah. perspective, but dang, Apex Legends is an exceptional achievement on so many levels. That's what I really? keep hearing, I, so you like yeah, it, Yeah, huh? I've heard a lot of people talking about it. It sounds like, I haven't played it, but just what little I've heard of people, or from people, is like they've kind of changed the formula a little bit, or like improved upon that kind of formula or something. I'll say this, I've played a lot of spins on Battle Royale, I felt a, I've played several copycats of Battle Royale. I've never played a game that felt like a intentional evolution of the Battle Royale format for its own purposes. And that is absolutely what uh, Apex Legends has been from my experience. Well, there you have it. Man, I'm going to have to play it. When I get back from Disney, I'll play it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's You don't have to build in it, right? Uh, no, you don't have to build in it, which, you know... Yeah, for for those who want to build out there, like Apex Legends, the only thing it will let you build is friendships. So, oh, <laughs> boom! There you go, sold. Now, or that's enemies. why like I couldn't play Fortnite because it just stresses me out to feel like I have to collect materials yeah. and build also while like not dying and shooting other people. And well, stuff. there's. 
competitive shooters in general stress me out. So the, the thing I really appreciate about Apex Legends uh, approach to compet- competition is uh, it comes down to something that me and uh, I, I was I was playing with GameSpot uh, reviewer uh, James Swinbanks, and it comes down to something me and him called the trust triangle. When you drop, uh, as it were, from your perch uh from you know the sort of standard uh battle royale drop ship um Mm -hmm. in your squad there's so many little neat touches of polish and so on that like signal to me oh they've been working on this for a long time and this was all very intentional but one of the best touches that they have is that when you jump you aren't everybody isn't coordinating at the same time and talking back and forth and then dropping potentially at different locations you have something that's called a drop master you can ping a location for your drop master but your drop master controls where you're going um and how fast you're going there basically they choose direction and they are basically piloting you all down at the same time so you come in this triangle formation Uh, and the thing is at any time including on the drop ship you can break off from your squad and drop by yourself or while you're mid drop with the trust triangle, you can break the trust triangle and veer off to the left or right because you're like, ah, I don't, I don't like where we're going or this is too dangerous or so on. And the thing is, people who break the trust triangle are objectively going to have a terrible time because they started off wrong. <laughs> they, 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 des- they destroy the relationship before it even began. Uh, this tr- the trust triangle, this feeling of both uh, working as a team to choose a spot, uh, going there as a team, and then the always present decision to break from this uh, even unspoken union that you've made together uh, is such a powerful one. Um, and it does determine whether or not you're an objectively good person. So don't break oh, the trust you. triangle. There you go. No matter I've been, what. Uh, I've been wondering, so... I should probably play this game and find out. Yeah, we need to play. It's uh, it's on all the platforms basically. I mean, except for Switch. So, Chris, we can we can load it up on PlayStation. I'll play with you. It is free. Where uh, where where are you? Where are you playing it? I'm on? playing it on Xbox. I'm a recent uh, Xbox uh, guy. Uh, I I really enjoy the system and its recent uh, and and Microsoft's recent moves and ethos. So, yeah, uh, that that's where I'm playing it currently. There you go. Okay. Well, they killed our feelings with that Super Bowl commercial, that's for sure. But like, didn't they all didn't the feelings also rise again? Just just saying. You know, killing <laughs> when I said killed our feelings, I mean it I mean it in a sense meant it in a sense of like, oh, they killed it. Not like, oh, they killed my feelings. The death, burial and resurrection. You know, honestly, of the I already Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There we there go. There you go. There you go. I just need to have you say things for me. Can you? F- I mean, I'd, I'd be happy to try. Like, I, I feel like we're building this really nice rapport. I'm digging it. I like it. Hey, before we get going too much further, uh, we have a listener question from our very own Kate. Kadawaki. Ah, Kate's great. Yes, that is her real last. That is her real last name. Um, so Kate is. Uh, she's like a. She's like a triple threat for us because. She's one of our monthly supporters. Um, we have a, a group of people that allow us to do what we do because of their monthly support financially, um, encouragement, and all kinds of things. We have like a secret group on Facebook that we have them all in. And 
we just have a good time in there. Um, but Kate's also one of our founders. She helped us start this whole thing. Um, and she runs all of our social media. So all awesome. of the social media stuff you uh, see from LTN, uh, that's all Kate. So what one of the things we like to do on Humans of Gaming is give our listeners and supporters an opportunity to ask the guest a question. Uh, sometimes they'll come on and actually be on the podcast with us. Kate couldn't do it because she's apparently super important and busy. Um, but she did have a question, and this is a doozy of a question. So I hope you can hang. I'll do my best. Um, but Kate asks, well, here, I'll just I'll just read the comment. Uh, Kate Katawaki, this is in all caps. He is the best, period. Not in all caps. Ask him why he loves puns so much. So there was uh, a point in my life, again, a, a pivotal point at which I realized that um, I enjoyed hurting people. Uh, <laughs> and puns are <laughs> kind of like, like Bennett Foddy um, kind of thing. Like... Yeah. Um, I, that is something I've legitimately said about my Twitter account. It's, uh, I, I make that I, my Twitter account, my, uh, my brand is designed for a certain kind of person to hurt them. And then the great thing about puns <laughs> is that you, uh, it is the, per- here is, I'm going to make a hot take here, a hot religious take. Are you ready for this? Ooh, give it to us. Yeah. Give it to us. I'm ready, Pastor. So, puns are the best example of iron sharpening iron. Because you hurt someone for a little bit, but they come out the other side better and delighted. <laughs> there you go. I think I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, I was actually also having a talk- conversation with someone recently. Um Puns have a weird intersection with the horror genre, which I've done some work in, uh, because they are the, they they are a setup and punchline. Uh, horror and comedy have so much in common, which is why there's so many horror comedy blends. And puns are just this thing where it's like using the familiar, you uh, bend it in a horrifying way, and people are delighted and also horrified that you managed to do this. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so we need you to give us like I don't know three. Can you give us three of your, you know, favorite or recent favorites? We just need three. Can okay, you do three. Uh, it's a little bit different because I've I've changed my, my I've changed my pun format recently. Uh, I used I used to do oh. just single tweet puns, you know, uh, a sort of short setup and punchline. What I do now is. I use my skills as a storyteller to tell a really long, convincing story, and it ends with just an awful, awful anticlimactic pun. Mm. And it's the best thing every time mm-hmm. because it happens long enough that people go like, oh, this is going to be a pun. We know you for puns. You're going to do a pun again. And then <laughs> the scales fall away from their eyes, and they're like, no, this isn't a pun. This is... This is the truth. This is good. How does it end? And then it's a pun and it's all a lie. Oh, man. (laughs) How can anyone ever trust Um, you? I've got character references. I've got things I do that that aren't abject lies. Uh, Abject lies are just pretty entertaining. So you would really enjoy my church, I think, because every week before our pastor, like, gives his message, he tells, like, a punny joke every single week he has a new one <laughs> i didn't realize he did that that's great he does it um, and he's super like 
I think people that don't know him would come and be like, this guy is so out of touch and corny and lame. Uh, here's the thing. But just because someone not. Like, tells just puns, kind of I, will, I will flag this right now. That does not mean they're not out of touch, corny, and lame. I would absolutely qualify for this title. <laughs> <laughs> and the puns don't help. All right. Well, you can have it. It's yours. That's great. Anyway, give us give us okay. a few. Is there one in – can you think of one that you put into Hypnospace Outlaw? Ah, oh, Hypnospace Outlaw has nice so scoop. many puns. Here's one. If learning through observation, through uh, shared knowledge, is learning through osmosis, what do you call learning from stone tablets? <laughs> I don't know. Osmosis. Uh, That's wow. an old standby I pull out occasionally. Feel... <sighs> yeah, I'm, um, I'm horrified. I feel the love. If Terry, if they, if if Crackdown Three and uh, Respawn did sort of a, a, a tie-in collaboration with uh, their upcoming release, sharing Terry Crews, would that make Respawn's games uh, Apex Legends? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see what you did there. Uh, long live Terry uh, Crews. I know someone who actually knitted a case for uh, the new Nintendo. Um, Console? It's a Nintendo Stitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Zero weeks, folks. Unleashed a monster. Oh, man. Yeah. So, right. um, I feel like it's a good time to switch gears and ask yeah, you... Yeah, uh, let's turn that corner, please, <laughs> yeah. Lord. Uh, so, you mentioned earlier that you're a Christian, and that uh, it was kind of a process for you. Would you share that story? Like, how did you become a Christian? Um, it actually did tie directly into... Uh, my journey with games um, and the whole fat for, uh, formation of video games in the Bible. Uh, I was 15 and I decided to really, like I'd always heard that reading the Bible is important, but it always seemed boring. Mm -hmm. um, I, and you grew up with it, you said before, right? Your parents... Took you to church yeah, and stuff up? Parents took me to church. Uh, we we prayed. We 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 have a ver we had a very practical form of faith, which is like you live out Christ and you live with Christ because God knows you can't do it without mm -hmm. him. Um and sounds pretty good. For some reason. And where did you and where did you grow up, by the way? Sorry. Oh, all over the bit. place. Uh, again, family moved around for various reasons. I've moved around for various reasons for work. Uh, that uh, we, we, in the absence of a stable, quote unquote, church home, uh, we had each other. And that also had a big uh, effect on my religious formation. We, we were super tight knit and I always considered myself a Christian, but it wasn't until, you know, I, I had a personal uh, ex experience and, and found basically that faith for myself that um, it became real for me. Church was a thing that I did. Uh, church was a thing that I was taken to. Um, God was something that I was someone who I, I always believed in. But that faith didn't become action and reality until... Uh, I was basically like around 15. Um, I decided to start reading the Bible for the first time just to try it. Um, and for the first time, the words came alive to me. Uh, there's, a, there's a verse that says basically that God is our author and finisher of our faith. And that was when God started writing the first pages of, of my faith book. Uh, that was the first status <laughs> post. Uh, and it, 
That was a good pun to you. your faith book. So ever, ever since I've kind of found this, uh, I've kind of had this faith. I've been, I've been trying to work. I've been working through this faith. And the way it first expressed itself was when I read the Bible and I found its personal application in my life. I read a verse and I was like, this sounds a whole lot like the dragonborn. And that isn't maybe the most natural connection to make when you read about a Bi- when you read a Bible verse uh, in Revelations, but it was um, for me, yeah. and that was a formation of video games in the Bible. Uh-huh. And ever since finding personal applications of how does this imagery line up with things I've seen in daily life? How can I use this imagery myself in my own creative work? How um, what is God's word saying to me today? Uh, as I read this groggily at 4 a.m. because I didn't read it earlier today earlier in the day because yeah. I was crunching on three projects and I'm just like God give me something I need something here uh, and it, and he comes through and um, that really finding a personal relationship with the Word of God in particular has been a really foundational thing for me hmm. um, even though a lot of people don't know that I'm Christian, which is one reason that I've tried to bring up my faith a lot in this podcast. I don't get many opportunities to sort of expose that that is the reason well, I do that's what I interesting do. Interesting because I feel like yeah, I feel like you're pretty I feel like you're pretty vocal about it. I mean like the whole video games in the Bible thing is you've been pretty front and center about that. You know, or have not I don't think you've ever hidden it. I've always thought of you as someone who was pretty like Everybody kind of knows as a Christian in the industry, but maybe I'm. Uh, it varies. Um, people who have known me for a very long time and knew me in my video games in the Bible period, uh, they of course know. But as as I go forward, as I, as someone who just looks at Hypnospace, for example, or looks at the piece I did about Medal of Honor right. Airborne, they don't necessarily know I'm of faith. And considering the re- that uh, a yep. big part that at the foundation of all the things I do, the empathy I try to project in my projects, uh, some of my narrative design principles, even if you want a perfect example of how to write combat barks, go to Genesis 30 because it is the absolute best (laughs) expression I have ever seen of how to write barks, super short sentences uh, that express both character to a very explicit, just information providing purpose. It, it's an in and out form. Genesis 30 will do that for you. <laughs> uh, um, it's uh, Rachel and, uh, is it Leah? Rachel and Leah's yeah. battle. Destroy uh-huh. Rachel Leah. The, the, the things they say after they have children or don't have children, like, are such good combat barks. And that's how I'm still finding the. I haven't thought about it that way. But that's <laughs> the application yeah. uh, in my life. Um, you know what I always think about with that story is um, like the complex that those moms must have given their kids through the names that they gave them because <laughs> they're like names are all tied to their own personal stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Talk about parents passing down sins to their kids. <laughs> yeah. It's like. They're all named like son of my morning and, you know, whatever, like yeah. another one's named like, ha, I have a baby now. You yeah. Suck. And that's a perfect and that's a perfect expression, right? Like someone shouting reloading. It's like, again, I God allows me to bring a troop into this world. And it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, that's one of the Maybe, things that uh, we don't recognize enough about the Bible. Like, there's some really... Um, it's it's just purely interesting. Some really weird stuff in there. And yes, exactly. Yeah, it's a super fascinating book, even for people 
you know, for some of our listeners who may not, uh, you know, be people of faith, like there's still some really interesting stuff going on in there. That uh, I think we don't often enough uh, hail it for the literary work that it mm-hmm. is. You know, like the things that it has done across centuries and centuries, just as a like a work of literature. Let alone, you know, whether or not you believe that it's some divinely inspired uh, book. Another. Like another great example is John. uh, (laughs) John one switches is one of the most modern uh, interpretations. This is something I only discovered recently. Um, I was just reading myself. I was like, John one. I know what John one one's about. Word is with God. Word was God. Um, And Mm -hmm. it turns out that in actuality, uh, that first chapter of John rolls through so many different narrative structures for such clear, um, explicit narrative purpose. It is like a narrative design masterclass. But again, without the perspective Mm. of how can I apply the Bible to my life, it it could very easily just come across as, oh, here's another story. And that's the point at which faith transformed for me when it became another story to, oh, this is my story and it actually applies to me today. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't any one thing that kind of made that click for you. It was just you started reading the Bible, and all of a sudden it kind of it kind of came alive. Um, so the the whole finding the connection between the, my first post on Williams the Bible was like, uh, hey, this thing in Revelation sounds a whole lot like the Dragonborn. Um, yeah, and and that was the first point at which uh, I realized that connection with the Bible. But okay. a, kind of, a gotcha. lot of things kind of happened all at once, uh, which led me to. Hmm this the 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 current state where i am where it's like uh it is interesting that you note that i'm pretty vocal about my faith i feel one of the other things i grew up around was like people who were very very excessive in terms of their faith messaging like everything in their lives was it wasn't like they had like normal human lives it was like I'm a Christian and everything in my life says Christian. There's a Veggie Tales parody for every like movie and I will watch all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like Tim Tebow yeah. basically. And, and and not to criticize those people, but that always uh Sure. On one hand, it, it's weird. I I want to make clear that like I am a human with flaws and foibles and also um this entire life uh that my faith directly is the origin point in driving force for. But on the other hand, I, I feel this weird mm-hmm. guilt because it's like I haven't made a quote unquote Christian game. I'm not um, sh- uh, mm-hmm. sharing Bible verses mm-hmm. on Twitter, really. I, I share terrible puns. And I kind of want to make sure that that's kind of balanced so that people know where I'm coming from uh, when they, like, if they call out my writing or my or something yeah. positive about my personality. Um, I, I want them to sort of know where it comes from. So that's another reason I was really excited to talk about this. Right. Today. Yeah. Yeah. And I get that too. Like, because I think I have to be really careful. Um, or I try to be careful. And I think there's probably some people that are like, wish I would post more Bible verses or something on Facebook or Twitter and that kind of, you know, cause there's, I think Chris, some, sometimes the Christians around you really want you to do that kind of thing. But I think what we're trying to do, a lot of us, is trying to be good neighbors, right? Absolutely. To people. Um, I have a lot of friends on Twitter and a lot of friends on Facebook who are not Christians. And, like, I want them to know that I care about them and that I, um, like, I want to be, I want to start good conversations with them and not just, like, preach at them all the time. Um, And so, 
like whether we recognize it or not, if we're constantly, like the only thing we're, I'm not telling people don't like, please, if you're listening to this, don't hear me say, don't post Bible verses on social media, <laughs> but, but I want, you know, I want to make genuine, cause I think for a lot of non-Christian, my non-Christian friends, cause I used to be that guy that like constantly posted Bible verses and stuff. I think they felt like I was like preaching at them. I think there's also the thing of, it feels like when you, when you get into that state, it can feel, at least for me personally, it felt more like I was fulfilling a different kind of selfishness and obligation. Uh, It it wasn't coming from Mm -hmm. pure faith or the heart. It was me attempting to fulfill some sort of thing. And I, and I know that isn't the way God works. Yeah. I think that's the big question for me is like, where is it coming from? Exactly. Like why, why post those things? Is that because you're trying to convert people because you're trying to put on a certain persona or, you know, you want people to think that you're really holy. I mean, where, where's that stuff coming from? I mean, Jesus called those things out in the Pharisees all the time because he knew, you know, these religious elite of his day that their motivations were not yeah. good. And yeah. so he called that stuff out. And I think that's that's the question I ask in any time. If I'm going to post something like that or see other people, is like, where's that coming from? What's the motivation? Yeah, and, and that's actually a really good uh, point that you're calling out as well. Like uh, th- this whole idea that uh, even the people who were doing it negatively and, and as, as a counterpoint it, uh, or from not pure intentions, Paul was like, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. Uh, either way, Christ is being preached. I'm in prison, y'all. Like, gosh, do we have to talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'd be curious to hear because um, even though you said, like, it seems like you you think about this, you you know, because you said you haven't made a quote-unquote Christian game, um, which I think is a weird thing to talk about anyway because what is what is a Christian game? Like, is it a game that's got, like, Bible verses in it or is it a game that, like, presents the gospel in some way or or you know like i'm not even sure there's a good answer to that question but you do strike me as someone who doesn't do anything without being pretty thoughtful about it and putting a lot of intentionality into it so what do you hope people get because i think you know hypnospace outlaw is probably the biggest game like that you've worked on this is i mean a lot of people are talking about it i freaking love what i've played of it um, I think it has the potential to, it's nominated for some IGF awards. Like it's, it's something people care about. And I think, I think a lot of people are going to play it. What do you hope they get out of um, it? To tell that story, I have to kind of tell a slightly, a, a similar, slightly different story. Uh, and that's how I met Jay. Um, when I was a young Christian, uh, and also. And we're talking about Jay, Jay Tholen, who we've, who by the time this comes out, we people will probably have heard our podcast with Jay, but Jay is kind of the original. The idea of Hypnospace originated. Yeah, with Jay, he's believe, been right? the creative director uh, slash scope creeper slash uh, wonderful human being uh, who I get to work with on this game. <laughs> yeah, Jay's great. <laughs> and yep. I met Jay when I was like, again, uh, 15, 16, really young, um, which sounds weird because I'm already really young. Uh, when I was even really younger, uh, I met Jay because I saw the, all these screenshots and stuff of this game called Dropsy, which was Jay's, uh, not his yeah. first game, but, um, 
his debut game with De Devolver Digital that led that segue directly into Hypnospace Outlaw. And Dropsy is this game about a clown that uh, looks terrifying, but has an earnest desire to improve the world around him uh, and just like love everybody. He, he wants to give everybody hugs. He wants to make their lives better uh, if they don't want hugs. And the entire game is about expressing love and joy. And that is the, and I got yeah. to play the beta version with Jay. Um, he, he showed it to me and I was like, this is, this is revolutionary. This is, this is what it's like to make a game that isn't a quote unquote Christian game and express your faith through it. Uh, because I can't, I can't see anything yeah. else that communicates the basis of how we live our, uh, how we're supposed to live our lives as Christians than dropsy. Um, so yeah, that, that, I had the, that he had a huge effect on me back then. Um, it really assuaged a lot of my guilt. I might have made like some kind of hackneyed religion shoved in titles before now if I didn't talk to him, if I didn't play that version of Dropsy and go like, oh, there's actually this entire other different path, which is out, which is living out the faith and and everything you do. Uh, so yeah, now we're, we're working together. I'm legal uh, and. Hypnospace Outlaw has this similar perspective of empathy um, that is really valuable. And actually, speaking of Christian games and announcements, um, I did actually make my first game that is a, it, like extremely explicitly about religion and about uh, the god I worship. Uh, and it it's it's being put into the Left yeah. Field collection at EGX Res 2019. I'm excited. Oh, cool. Uh, can Androids cool? Pray? Okay. No. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> see, if Chris had been around back then, okay. I wouldn't have spent so much time. I, I could have saved you a lot of time. Wasting it on this game. I could have gotten you some free time. Could have gotten you some free time. Uh, speaking of that, I this I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Science Mike. I bring him up. Drew's probably sick of hearing about him. Uh, he has a podcast. He's a Christian dude who he was an atheist for a long time and then came back to Christianity, but... He does this podcast where he just answers people's questions about like science and faith okay, and stuff. That's cool. And I was at a live, I was at a live, yeah, you should look him up. You'd probably enjoy it. Um, I was at a live recording of his podcast one time and he was taking like live questions and somebody asked the question of, you know, could, could AI like with the, you know, if AI continues to advance, um, could an AI, you know, be a Christian? That was the question. And he kind of dodged the question. He basically answered the question by saying, we're nowhere near having AI be that sophisticated. Um, but it just reminded me of that when you. So what you're saying AI. is science, Mike, is a Do coward that and question? I'm not. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think that. That's not what I got. Uh, but I love the reader. No, um, that's really cool. That's a really cool thing about science, Mike. I'm glad that there's folks like that around and. Uh, as far as answering that question, I'm not. Uh, I don't think it gives a I, I don't think it gives a definitive answer, but it does ask a sort of more uh, sort of the interesting sci-fi question for me as a as a person of faith, which is okay. We've always talked about man. If robot have feeling, is human? Uh, but we've never asked the question. Uh, but I don't really <laughs> see the question asked of oh, if robots have um, genuine if 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 you are a robot or suspect that you are some sort of um, artificial entity, 
uh, how do you approach faith? No, with the additional doubt, because people already mm-hmm. struggle with doubt, but like there's a doubt of does this exist? Is this legitimate? Am I um, pursuing something that is uh, real? Combined with if I am pursuing that, if it, that is real, does it even matter if um, if I'm if I'm a piece if, I, if I'm if I'm wires if I'm wires and 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 tape and code that has bugs in it. Uh, so I'm really int- so getting to dude sounds like an uplifting experience. I can't wait. Uh, it's very Reservoir Dogsy, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I'm excited to see what people think about it. Uh, Hypnospace, Can Androids Pray? Have you played? Uh, sorry, have you played near? Uh, yes. Automata. How do you say Automata. that last part? Automata. Automata. Zalavir Zalavier. <laughs> Automata. Is that what you said? Yeah, Automata? it's like uh, Forza Motorsport, you know? I, I, now that I... Okay. I just play... Like, I'm just playing it right now. I'm in the middle. And so what you're talking now about that reminds saying, me of that game. I just finished my first uh, playthrough. And same now I'm here. Like playing um, through again. Now that I'm saying it, though, uh, uh, Forza, Forza Motorsport has no discernible connection to uh, Nier Automata. Yeah, I didn't really get that, but I just moved I, on. I can't move on from this, Chris. I, I need to. I need to figure out the connection here. This, there's an article here. I, you know, I just I forgave and forgot and moved on, but it's whatever. But yeah, so you've played through near, uh, or you played through, through it now, the first playthrough, uh, and I'm midway through the second playthrough. I need to get okay. back to it, but um, it's entire. Yeah. Again, this is this is a game that if you're a very I won't, I won't say legalistic Christian, but if you're like someone who uh, has a stumbling uh, has a stumbling position that is perhaps a bit larger, like this, this would absolutely, yeah, uh, this would this would trigger. actually trigger some apprehension. It's this game about where people say yeah. become as gods, and then there's the weird outfits and stuff. And you'd be like, ah, is this of God? But it turns out to have all of these religious yeah. depth, all of this depth and meaning and layers that can be applicable to your own. It's super interesting. Like I, I'm, I'm a bit of a simpleton, and so like a lot of times in games, it's it, the gameplay is more so like the number one thing that keeps me coming back, and then maybe like story or narrative. Thanks for stuff telling me like that at the two. end. Of but the I podcast, find with this game, Chris. yeah, that's <laughs> no, all right. <laughs> Drew's smarter than me, so that's why he he's into that stuff. Um, it's not that I'm not into it. It's just not usually the number one motivator. Because if I'm not interested in gameplay, like it won't keep me engaged. But I've found with Nier that it's really the story and the intrigue that kind of keeps me coming back to it. The gameplay's fine. It's engaging enough. I mean, it's pretty button mashy, you know? Um, at least for me, because I'm bad. But yeah, man, the story and that stuff is like, it's it's very interesting. So go play it. Drew, you need to play it. I know. I've got it queued up. I just need to paw through. Uh, anyway, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's all sorts of games that have uh, religious applications as well, which is another reason why I appreciate the work of Love Your Thy Nerd. I'm excited about um, Can Androids Pray and how sort of people react to that, since it will be my first uh, explicit exploration of some of the themes I really care about, both in sci-fi and in my faith. And... Um, there's Hypnospace Outlaw coming out. I've got a lot of things in the background that are yeah, happening right. and exciting announcements, but like Hypnospace Outlaw, holy crap, this is this is this is the main event right now. It's it's incredible. 
Yeah. So uh, by the time this comes out, it may already be out. When what's the the window? I know it's pretty uh, soon. I'd say you know as 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 a party um, that's like you know uh, somewhat invested in you knowing about its existence. Uh, I'd say as a guess uh from rumblings i've heard uh to look out for it within the next um month or so okay cool great and uh when can people where can people find can androids play androids Uh, Androids prey will be at egx uh res uh we uh i'm making it with a uh collaborator uh natalie clayton uh, among some other cool folks which are yet to be revealed uh that can't be played cool. publicly yet, but you will at least see it at EGX Res and uh, on itch.io. And EGX, that's Eurogamer, uh, EGX right? EGX is the big event that Eurogamer's parent company is behind, yes. EGX Res. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Great. And that'll be... What What type... I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't, didn't quite catch. Like, what type of game is Ken Andrews? Uh, it is a in- interactive uh, fiction game with uh, really cool mech graphics and some interesting uh, flourishes that I'm excited for people to discover. Cool. Great. Cool, man. And uh, people can find you on Twitter. Your, um, what, what's your name on Twitter? Uh, Rit Nelson? At W-R-I-T Nelson. Uh, if, if you would like a Twitter account designed for a certain person to hurt them, and you're that certain person, and you've been waiting for this, uh, you can find me uh, through there. And all of my upcoming work, there's a lot happening all at once. There's some things that like are about to happen or happening, but haven't been announced yet. This is all sorts of cool reasons for you to follow my Twitter account and also like have that. It, it, it's a, it's an exercise in delayed gratification. You'll you'll come for the exciting, creative, and uh, analytical work, and you'll stay because the puns have you. There's nowhere else you can go now. They keep on loving you. Those puns. The puns are lit, as they say. <laughs> right? Great. They say that. I think that's what they say. Yep, they say that. Well, I would definitely encourage people to uh, go follow you on Twitter and to check out all the work that you're doing. Um, I am super excited about Hypnospace Outlaw. I played the GD, the the IGF build, build and. Um, Man, it's it's super unique and super I don't know if fun, I should be saying so, this. Um but it's a real <clears throat> Yeah. Um Oh I like it. In, Keep going. <laughs> there's the very weird thing about Hypnospace Outlaws recognition, um, is that there is this as I mentioned a little bit earlier, a big part of my uh development approach is this thing I like to call structurally focused design. Um, because at the end of the day, if you can have fantastic yeah. narrative and fantastic mechanics, but at the end of the day, if you have it wrapped within a structure where people go to a place, do three things, and then go to a different place and do three things, um, that core structure is what people are interacting with. And that's where your incredible work can get, is, can get lost. Um, there's this entire, mm-hmm. everybody knows that you can be a moderator and you're an unpaid moderator in this, uh, cool alternate universe 90s internet uh in hypnospace outlaw that they don't know that this that there's even yeah. in the igf build that there's this um big old third piece to the game that nobody knows about or has played so i'm interested <laughs> to see how people react to uh to the, to the surprises still in store even if they play the igf build it is there's this entire other dimension to it that i 
cannot wait to see how people react to. Oh man, I wish you could tell me more. But so I don't much wait intrigue. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Can't wait to play it. So um, mm-hmm. definitely be looking for that soon. And um, yeah, anywhere else you had mentioned for people to 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 follow the work that you do on, uh, on the internet? No, at Rit Nelson uh, and. Hypnospace Outlaw are the best ways to sort of find me right now. Uh, Hypnospace Outlaw is something you can cool. steam wish list. Rit Nelson is something you can follow. I'm someone you can follow in real life, but a lot of, you'd just be basically staring at my workstation for most of the day and night, so that wouldn't be too interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people can find a lot of your games online for free. Don't tell too, them like, that. We're uh, trying to advertise Hypnospace. You, Bear Dad. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, like... <laughs> If people want to check out Screw You Bear Dad. Oh, yeah, I should probably games, tag that. Um, just... ZolivereMakesWords.itch.io is the current home for uh, my other solo development work or uh, collaborative development work. Um, Canada's Prey will be uploaded there eventually. And one thing in particular that I'm very proud of is Ellipses RPG. Uh, it is a accessible, expandable RPG uh, role-playing game uh, framework and uh, set of scenarios. My family had never played a game like D&D before, and they played and they had created a character and started to murder each other within 20 minutes playing uh, Ellipses RPG. So it brings families together. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah, and I didn't think you were like an evil, like, you know, that it was evil or demonic. Yeah, or no, uh... Because uh, as even though ellipses are kind of canonically the the most un, the most unholy uh, punctuation, I don't know if many people know that, but don't you dare! Don't you? If dare. you use it, your op- every little ellipses is a, a portal to the enemy. Don't let the enemy into your lives, guys. Oh, you have got you have got a lot of nerve coming on to our podcast and speaking. I don't see this that dribble. you're calling it "Love uh, Thy Nerd." Dot dot dot. Because <laughs> you know better. <laughs> not well, yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'm trying to convert Drew. It might be coming. Yeah. Um, I I agree. The only thing worse actually is like uh, people who refuse to use Oxford commas. That's that's pretty terrible. Yeah, I, I think that's more like we we love them. We love them through the, the, their own. Uh, we love them through. I I don't I'm not fully on board with this like sentence, but like you you hate the you hate the sin, but you love the sinner, right? <laughs> As I was literally gonna say that, but oh, I just wanted man. to wait to see if you again, get there. Chris. We're, we're on such yeah. a, we're, we're on a good wavelength. We need to keep this going at some point. We are, man. Yeah, me and you, buddy. Well, we're gonna have to get you. Uh, we'll, we'll get you plugged into Love Thy Nerd. We'll um get you right. We'll have you write something or. I don't know. Well, at least I want to cover. We'll definitely cover uh, cover your games. We'll start with that. But uh, but man, we'd love to to collaborate. Thank with you, you on both fronts. So, uh, this has been great. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for coming on, and um, definitely encourage people to go check out your stuff. If you want to check out what we're doing with Love Thy Nerd, just go to lovethynerd.com or search for Love Thy Nerd on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You'll be able to follow what we do. Uh, also, we have a fantastic online community that you can join and be a part of. Just search for Love Thy Nerd Community on Facebook. And when you do that, you're going to want to go ahead and like our page. Those are two separate things. Ask to join our community and like Love Thy Nerd on Facebook. Um, I believe that's it for us here. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm DrewDixon82. Chris is not on Twitter, but you can find him on Facebook. Thanks again for and, uh, 
but go check oh, out sorry. our other podcast. I just want to say thanks again for doing this. Yeah. I, I, I really oh. enjoyed this conversation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Man, it was great. Yeah, thanks so much. Well, uh, that's it for us, and uh, we'll see you next time.